0: Good evening, everybody. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Today is Tuesday, October 17th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter
1: is A Vision for You, and our speaker tonight is Kelly G. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you so much. And thank you, Meredith, for asking me to speak. I'm happy to be here. And it's great to do service. So I just pray that God can speak through me and, and touch the souls of, of anybody who needs to hear it. Um, so take what you want and leave the rest. So Vision for You, Chapter 11. So I was rereading this um, today a couple of times, twice. It's a long chapter. So um, I'm going to you know, pick and choose different parts that I want to expand on that relates to me and my recovery. So it starts off with saying that, you know, to binge, right, to eat, I'm going to relate it to the food, is a release from care, from boredom, from worry, right? It is the joyous intimacy with friends and a feeling that life is good. Now, the opposite of intimacy to me as addiction, right? It's underneath all of that. What I crave is the connection with other people. And the food is what blocks me from that, right? So the whole point of this chapter is to illustrate the support system that we have with each other. And also, you know, that this fellowship is growing each and every day in numbers. So, It starts off right. Pleasuresome. It's fun. It's carefree. I remember wanting to go to parties or holidays and I just wanted to partake like everyone. Like I didn't want to think about it. I just wanted to have something gingerly and I'd always use that word gingerly. And I remember people would say there is nothing gingerly about a compulsive overeater at a holiday, right? There's nothing, there's no, there's so much behind it that yes, normal people are doing that, but I wasn't so i was yearning to enjoy life as i once did right but there was a heartbreaking obsession that i realized that one more attempt is another failure right so one more attempt one more go at it was going to be followed with a failure i will never outrun this disease i will never outrun this obsession of the mind then it goes on to say that, you know, we need to be honest with ourselves, right? So then there's those people who have the pink cloud, you come into program, you're like, I don't even need sugar, I feel great, right? I have four days, I've never felt better, I have this energy, I like have patience for my kids. You know, it's like I have the second wind, right? And you look at those people, and you're like, Oof, wait till they get till tomorrow, right? Or next week, when it gets really hard and the urges come in and you want that ease and comfort right so we need to be on I need to be honest with myself that you know yes I am a compulsive overeater and 10 out of 10 times a brownie is going to look appealing to me I don't care how recovered and spiritual I am I'm never going to look at that and say "Ooh, gross yuck right? So I can't fool myself. And it's so important, the honesty of, you know, owning who I am, that I have this disease, that, you know, anywhere I go, the joy and the pleasure and the ease is no longer an option for me. So someday he will be unable to imagine life either with alcohol and without it. So that's really scary, right? Because I have to picture my life without the food. And I can only picture my life with the food. So so what other option is there, right? Like what's plan C? And plan C is the spiritual, right? That's the recovery. But I don't know that exists yet. And it's unmanageable to think that I can't go on another day like this, but I also can't imagine facing a day without it. So he asked himself, right? I must go along without liquor, but how can I? How do I have a sufficient substitute, right? So when I was... so I guess a little qualifying, right? So I've been in program 12 years. And throughout that process, you know, you peel the onion, right? So at first it's no sugar, no flour. But then all of a sudden it's like no sugar-free gum and no mince. And then it's like, all right, no diet soda. And then it's like, all right, no Splenda. And then, you know, and these things come up, you know, the clearer you get. And so for me with the food, what was my sufficient substitute? Chewing gum. So I would chew 15 packs of gum a day. I would spend about $20 at Walgreens, CVS, you name it. That's what I would do. And so I would chew between meals and that was my sufficient substitute, right? Because I needed something tangible. I needed a vice. I needed something. If I'm going to take something, I'm going to replace it with something. But what we replace it with, right? What I replaced it with was program, fellows, God. And if you're in disease, the last thing you want to hear is to replace an ooey gooey binge with fellows and God, because that does not sound appealing, right? It's like, oh, great. Yeah, God, like that'll do it. But the thing is, is that we have this fellowship and it is so refreshing to know that these urges, these thoughts, these feelings, I am not alone with. I'm alone with them in the real world, with normal people. I am so alone. But if I can step away and pick up the phone and be like, I cannot stop thinking about this. It's like, right? Because the honesty, the truth comes out. The louder our honesty, the quieter our disease is. And just to keep it real today, which I haven't had one of these days in a while, I was extra hungry. And it was annoying. And I was like, is it dinner yet? And I start prepping my dinner earlier than usual, right? So that happens. It's okay. It's okay. Here I am, right? So we need a sufficient substitute, which is a fellowship, right? It's filling up our time following through on commitments, showing up, picking up the phone when we say we're going to pick up the phone, being present. And it doesn't all have to be recovery, right? This chapter is talking about examples of showing up and doing service and helping. But in terms of what's practical also in our everyday life, besides program, 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 it's also about you see someone's having a hard day and just listening, right? Or um, going the extra mile, helping somebody. Um, when I first struggled with doing service, especially I was just so selfish and in my head, my sponsor at the time would say, when you go to the grocery store, put your cart back. And it's like, but like, what if I park? F-? And then she said, maybe also put someone else's cart back. And I was like, and this was like during COVID. And I'm like, first of all, that's gross. Second of all, what if it's raining? And third of all, why? What difference does it make, right? Right. And that always stuck with me because now doing the right thing is like, I have this guilty conscience where I have to put my shopping cart away because then I'm like, great, like, I know too much now. This was asked of me, this was suggested, and now I can't not do it. So anyway, all that to say that. Among this fellowship, we we create these lifelong friends, right? So when I'm having a bad day, I want to call my people in this program and say, hey, look, this is what's going on. And, you know, the more recovered you get in the program, you realize that, no, these calls have nothing to do with the food. It has so much to do with relationships and connections with other people, right? Those things come up. So we see amongst each other, right, in this fellowship, that men and women come happy, right? They they have now respect from other people, and they used to be miserable and hopeless, and now they're not. You know, I used to wake up every day when I was in relapse. Um, I almost have two years again, but prior to the two years, I had eight and a half, and then I had a really bad relapse, and I gained eighty pounds, and I was miserable, and I just life. And I was going through a job change, a heartbreak. I mean, you name it. It was like everything was working against me. And I felt like I was doomed. Like I couldn't stop. And I also had no motivation to stop because I had nothing to look forward to. And um, the more I ate, the more I ate. So how can somebody like me, somebody like you go from miserable and hopeless and can't stop to happy, right? I think the definition of happy has changed so much from coming into program. Um, For me, happy used to be, you know, Getting all the attention, which is still obviously nice. Who am I kidding? Right. But it's like getting the attention and dressing well and appearing like I have it all together. But happiness today is sometimes those simple days where I show up for work, I prep for this meeting, I take a bath and wash my face, praying that this 24 hour lipstick comes off and call it a night. And I wake up and I have another day under my belt right so they approach sick um sick fellows all over the city right so at first the fellowship's just one person sick and suffering helping another person sick and suffering and it just it it, it multiplies Right. So it's like dropping these little seeds, and it's how we hear about each other's meetings. Right. We have meetings with 200 people. How does that happen? How does someone in California hear about a meeting that's hosted in New Jersey? And it's just like I'm from a small town in Westchester, New York, and I saw a woman on Zoom from my home meeting like 12 years ago. And she just, she's new to this meeting. And it's like, it's crazy how we all just find each other. So Then it says, um, so this man goes on a business trip and he is discouraged, right? So he found himself in a strange place, discredited and almost broke. So right now we're talking about going on a business trip and we're feeling crummy about it, right? So I want to say for me, I wrote in the margin, this is the airport scene for me the airport scene for me is like the biggest trigger not anymore cuz i bring my own food to the airport i love people watching and i'm so grateful that like i'm not eating like all the junk that they're eating at 9 in the morning it's like you would never eat that if you weren't at the airport and you like gross right but if i was in the food i'd be right in line but for me when I'm out of my comfort zone and I'm at the airport, right, he's traveling, he's uncomfortable. He is, He's in a crossroads. We are always in a crossroads. So right now he is at a hotel and at a hotel lobby, right? You have the restaurant and then you have the front door and you have the concierge. So right now He's feeling down, work trip's not going well. And the restaurant bar in the hotel is very appealing. The lights, there's laughter, there's stimulation, right? That's an addict's dream, to be stimulated, to to escape. Take me away from what I'm feeling. Don't want to feel it. So of course he couldn't drink, but why not sit hopefully at a table a bottle of ginger ale before him. After all, he's been sober for six months, right? So let's, let's tease ourselves is one thought he has, right? Our thoughts can lead to action, but we're not responsible for our first thought. We're responsible for our second thought and then that action that follows. So he thinks maybe I'll have a ginger ale and he knows he's done thin ice, right? So again, It was the old, insinuous insanity of that first drink. It crossed his mind. So with a shiver, he turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. Now, obviously, this is in 1935, so there is no directory, right, in a phone, in a phone book. But he had responsibilities, this man. He had fellows that he was sponsoring. He had the message to pass around. And so he decided that he had a duty. And he went to a church and started helping others sick and suffering. So we always have a fork in the road and we have to ask ourselves. I remember I had a sponsor who was like, It is so selfish to relapse. Like, how selfish are you? Like, you have a duty, you have sponsors you have a family, you have a job, you have to show up. And he decided that he has the thought, he's on thin ice, he keeps walking, which is God, which is the spiritual path. And now he's helping others. And there's no amount of willpower that could stop drinking long-term, right? This willpower, I'm sure we could all hold on for dear life for maybe a day or two week. I could do it maybe a month, not anymore, but in the past I have. And we only have one solution and that is the spiritual path and to help other people. That is the only thing that's going to guarantee me
2: this recovery,
1: I know. I, I think I have five minutes left. Um, Hopefully more. Five
2: minutes, Kelly.
1: Yeah. Okay. Thanks. So I guess I'm going to skip forward a little bit. Um, Just the chapter continues to reiterate. We must keep spirituality active, right? And so I can relate to this part of I've prayed to God on hungover mornings and sworn that if I never touch another drop, I'd be boiled as an I'd be boiled as an owl, right? So that's the Santa Claus God. Like I pray, right? It's after that bender that you're like, okay, God, please, please, please. But God ought to be able to do anything. And he felt like, what is he doing for me? I still have this. I can't stop drinking. And the day that this lawyer gave himself to the care and direction of his creator, he was perfectly willing to do anything necessary, And I don't want this to be intimidating because it kind of intimidates me because it's not that easy, right? He walks up and he's a free man and he surrendered his will to God. And then it just, the drinking problem, he's never drank again, right? It's not always like that. Um, But he found God and in finding God, he found himself, right? And God is within each and every one of us. And so when we find God, that's our core. That is who we are. That's that inner compass where we know Where to go, where to turn, what to do, that instinctual, like doing the right thing, doing good, because God is watching and listening and hearing, and there's nothing that gets past God. So there's like a therapist once said to me, like, there's a karma box, right? So when he walks past, or uh, yeah, when he walks past the bar in the hotel, and then goes to help someone else, it's filling up this bucket of goodness that comes back. The hard part is it's not immediate, right? So when you do something nice for someone else, you expect like, hello, like my turn, but it's not always like that. And it's not always going to be in that gesture that you may, that you may think, um, but God will reward you. Um, it says, again, we must help other alcoholics to remain sober. and, And, um, to transcend by the happiness they found in giving themselves to others. That happiness is really about giving. It's not receiving. And I love gifts and I love receiving, right? So it's really, it's it's a new muscle to be able to give. And, um, and that's what this chapter is all about is nothing fills my cup and my insides like speaking with another person, listening, getting out of my own way, getting out of my own head. Um, and you know, when it says like, you need to sponsor, you need to pass the message. You know, I think to myself, like me, like I'm fragile, right? I'm fragile, but you can, you can help someone else. And now that we've tapped into this source, it's not me, right? It's not me. I don't have to use all my umph. Tonight, like, yes, I want to sound good and I want to help. and But it's God, like, I'm just sharing the message that's on these pieces of paper that have worked for me. Um. So I want to finish off with saying that, you know, the prayer, the vision for you, our book is meant to be suggestive. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each and every day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if you if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got in the fellowship of the spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. And that's that. So thanks for letting me share. Oh my
0: gosh. Thank you so much, Kelly. That was beautiful. Um, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone. I will call the raised hands in order, and the Zoom host will ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Carla, the timer, would you please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. And I see Meredith, you're
2: up. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Meredith, the recovered and recovering compulsive overeater in Nashville. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, you ever have those themes that follow you everywhere and just kind of dog you this this has been a really good one that's following me but last week in my and it, it came to me in a two-way prayer that God said to me and knowing me you will know yourself and then um gosh it just kept coming up, like I would hear, I was hearing it everywhere. I, I went to, <laughs> I went to an OA conference last weekend, not the one that you all went to in New York, but, um, and the speaker said it too, like moments after we got to the place I'm like, oh, and I had shared it with the Pete, the fellows that I was there with. Um, but to me, that means, um, you know, my, my whole life i've been kind of trying to fit in trying to belong um wanting to be wanted and loved and so i was externally focused doing anything that i thought would be appreciated and make me worthy of your love so that i didn't i lost myself i i never had a chance to find out who i was and i just feel like as i go through this program that is a lifetime. I drop a piece of baggage here. I drop a piece of baggage there. Whatever's blocking me from God and the knowledge and wisdom that he wants to dump on me or in me and, and impart to me who he created me to be. Um, yeah, if that's if I want to find out who I was created to be. I need to find that out from my creator. I just love that whole thing. Um, I really identify, it's still a scary thought to me when you mentioned, you know, we, we can't imagine, I I couldn't imagine, I mean, as miserable and angry as I was putting the food down. Like you, I just couldn't, I couldn't, imagine and that's where my faith just had to come in somehow and I just think that's a divine thing too I you know it doesn't happen a moment before it's supposed to it didn't for me it took over a decade um I really just had to get desperate I hear that a lot in these rooms and General
3: reminder um, Meredith
2: time's okay up. thanks Carla um all right, well, I'll pass. Thank you guys.
0: Thank you so much, Meredith. And hi, CJ, would you please share with us?
3: Hi, CJ, uh, bulimic anorexic compulsive overeater living in a recovered state today. I have missed this meeting. I've had to work um, different shifts and um just really glad to, to see everybody's face. Um, thank you so much for your share, Kelly. Um, the the part that, that moved me the most was just your verve for life. Like just that, just that spirit of like in recovery, like when you, when I get really honest and really real and work the steps, like there's, there's a contentment that doesn't happen um, when I'm actively in my addiction. Um, And it's just so beautiful to see that in other people in these rooms, like just that um, just the love that comes out. So thank you for that. Um, I, I, I very much relate to, I wrote it down. Um, the louder our honesty, the quieter our disease. Um, that is very true for me. And, and to the extent of needing to share that with other people, like not just keeping, you know, not just getting real with myself and being honest with myself, but, um, but there's, there's a part of my relationship with my higher power and how my higher power works, that there has to be a connection with people. I need to take that to a person, any person, but somebody who will really hear it. And not once, there has not been one time that I have taken anything to anybody in these rooms. And there's been a weird response of, Oh, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, And yeah, I don't have any words for that. I, I will say, I I too, when I first, um, I, one of my very first sponsors, 18 years ago, talked about the need to um, to give, and part of that is I didn't I didn't think I had anything to give. But the other thing was, like I didn't know how to connect to people because it was always so awkward. Like I wasn't my I wasn't my real self. I was, you know, my addiction is based on performance and appearance, and there wasn't like a real self to give. Um, but there is a there is something that happens in my recovery and I see it over time, even when I feel like, I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how this is going to work. Like I literally don't. When I connect with somebody else, maybe the end of the day, maybe the next morning, like something shifts. And it's not always like, I can't give it a word, but like there's something shifts where there's a piece that I can't get. Outside of these rooms, when I keep um, when I keep connecting with people, and I want to say one more thing to be completely honest, I still when I first started, part of my morning meditation is reading the prayer of Saint Francis that talks about like let me rather be comforted than comfort others, understand than be understood, and there's always been this little voice in my head is like, but what about me? Like, what do I have to do that first? And it's still there. It's um, it's quieter. Um, and like it shifts, and I, I just got to be honest about that, and I guess I'll show up at that point. So thanks for listening. Bye.
0: Thank you so much, CJ. Um, Andrea G, will you please share with us?
4: Hi, I'm Andrea. I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you so much for telling your story. Uh, so much of it resonated with me. Uh, Thank you for, you know, the honesty around the fact that you've been in program a long time, you know, and that you had a really bad relapse. And and talking about that openly, I, I think a lot about, so I've been abstinent for eight years, been in program for a while, and I keep thinking about how do I keep this program fresh in the same way that it was when I was new and I was, you know, willing to go to any length at all times like it starts to you know you read the things over and over again and and so much of what you said really resonated with me it is it's about working with others obviously you know and and the the idea around not being responsible for the first thought but for everything else afterwards that was so powerful and such a great reminder because it's true I I know that that there's like that voice in my head that'll say like this is not peaceful like just like that man he hurt you know in the hotel all the stuff going on and he, he knew that he was on a slippery slope like how many times have I heard those voices right but the more that I sort of pack life in the way the less that I'm you know doing the do things the harder it can be sometimes to hear that voice um, and I have been without sponsees for a little while now. And of course I have every reason why, oh, this is that, this and that. So thank you so much for the prompt and the reminder that working with others is so important. And I am so grateful for all of the things that I've been given in this program. And I'm so keen to give it back. So what? what why am I holding back from that? That'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Andrea. And um, we still have a few minutes left of the recorded portion of sharing if anybody would like to share. Okay, well, I'll just jump in. And Kelly, I would love to ask you a question. Um, You talked about being in program, I think you said for 12ish years or so, how, you know can you can you talk to how it was like going through the program and relapsing and what brought you back like how what was where was your motivation and what really clicked for you
1: thank you yeah absolutely so I never left the rooms. Um, Even in relapse, my camera would just be off and I would have takeout coming and I'd be eating during the meeting. Um, But I never left. I was very resentful at everyone, especially those who were happy and grateful. But I never left. And I think what kept me is knowing that this is the only solution. So like, I know this is the only choice. There's no other way. And I know that. And I wasn't trying another way. It was just, I surrendered to the fact that like, this might be the rest of my life. Like, I don't think the scale's ever going to stop going up. And I had no idea like when it would, when it would stop. And, um, you know, I kept getting a sponsor and I would drop myself. I would fire myself. I'd be like, you know what? I'm so sorry. Like a sponsor, I'd pick up and they'd say, call me in three days. And I like, Couldn't call because the third day I would eat. So like I never called. And so it's one of those things where it happens again to get back on the horse when when it's time. Like I couldn't wish it. I just was like at my absolute wits end that like there's no food in this entire world that will take away a fraction of this pain right now. And so I'll do anything because I just literally want to die. And um, I had a sponsor that was willing to work with me, like speak every single day. And she was a mom with two kids. I'm not a mom; I don't have kids. She talked to me every single day, and I worked the steps in 30 days, and I got recovered. And it was the it was really hard, um, but like it saved my life. Like it like I'm back in my skin. Like I have all that armor and velcro that I covered myself with, and it's off of me. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm, it's all off of me. Like I'm just raw and it's me and yeah, but I, I never left. And like, that's the thing, like keep coming back and it's annoying to hear sometimes, but it's like, this is the only place. So I'm not going to try a smoothie for a week or detox or, you know, this is it. Um, So I just never left, but it was only when I was ready to, to just like, Surrender everything, follow every direction, regardless of how I feel, because nothing felt worse than being completely defeated. Like there's, there's nothing worse than that. Um, so yeah, that's, that was what happened. That's my experience. Thank you so much
0: for sharing. Sure. And would anybody else like to jump in and share or ask a question? Reclaim your seat. Oh, let's see. Hi, Joyce. Would you like to share, please?
5: Um, hi. Well, wow. this is this is my second meeting, but this was extremely powerful thank you extremely powerful um everything that was said is just has so much meaning to me i've been in other twelve step programs but um you know struggled with my weight actually since i gave up well it's more than the weight of course but um the outside thing is the weight and um since um I just gave up smoking when I was pregnant, which was like you know 40 something years ago that's when I started really gaining weight and, and overeating and um I just I'm so grateful that um, I've found this particular meeting because it sounds so spiritual to me and um And the speaker, really grateful for the speaker and other people who have spoken. Um, I I feel like I'm exactly there, but I go back and forth um, with the eating. And um, because I'm sort of a perfectionist, sometimes I let that get in the way of, uh, I feel like, Oh, being absent is being per- being a perfectionist, you know? And it's like, I try to get away from being a perfectionist. So sometimes that stops me, you know? But I am becoming more and more aware, absolutely, of myself and the reasons I do things and how I need a higher power and how I need people. Um, so I feel like I really am progressing, even though you wouldn't see it from the outside from the inside so maybe the outside will catch up at some point i don't know you know I, so i haven't let go completely i guess but you know i'd like to think that you know you don't have to be completely at the bottom to enjoy the benefits of the program you know i mean because i think for me it's like it's always going to be something that I need, you know, and people talk about relapses, but you know it's like not to see it as a negative thing as I'm not being perfect because I had a relapse so I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I just agree with everything the speaker said and I just wanted to share that. thank you
0: and we're so glad you did. thank you so much Joyce um We will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares with the Zoom host. Please stop the recording.